0: hello everyone and welcome to the protagonist podcast where each week we look at a great character in a great story except when we don't i'm jodorowsky and this week we're talking about storytelling in theme parks and joining us for the discussion our producer andrew hello and Kestra dorowski hi welcome to both of you so we've done a few episodes in, in which we kind of orient the discussion around storytelling in a specific medium or style so we did like storytelling in video games and storytelling in fan fiction before and
1: have done uh, like like reality tv
0: mhm yes uh, and, and this one was kind of a a surprise suggestion from you andrew like i had never yes. thought even as a medium of storytelling, uh, the theme park experience. Um, However, last week, I, with my young children, went to Legoland and Disneyland. So I hit two different theme parks and you and Kestra with your two young children went to Disneyland. Uh, So we've kind of been to some theme parks very recently and you can see um, like a difference in how storytelling is being employed in like the different eras of rides that you go on. Uh, Mm -hmm. that there's different points where different styles of storytelling were happening and the newer rides very much want you to feel like you are a participant in a story as you go on the ride. Uh, And so it's, I think it's an interesting open ended discussion to kind of explore uh, the, this idea of how um, the design uh, and, and the, the experience that is intended for the audience of a ride has become storytelling in many ways.
1: Mm hmm. And, and we can maybe expand that from rides to like attractions, because mm-hmm. they do the shows and performances and, you know, there's parades and fireworks. And
2: and it's not just the rides themselves. It's also the queues mm-hmm.
1: that yeah. lead to the rides. Or the land in the case of, of uh, Disney parks. Yeah. And the stores after you exit a ride. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: that definitely becomes uh, an element of it because you create that that connection. And we'll probably I mean, you went to to Legoland. And then Disneyland. Mm-hmm. We did not go to Legoland, so our perspective is probably going to be pretty Disney skewed. We're also Disney people. I mean, yeah, Disney people <laughs> yeah. with a Disney podcast. But I, well, um, and
0: uh, my familiarity with theme parks is not as strong as yours, so I will cede to you <laughs> on somebody yeah, of these. <laughs> but
1: but like we've all been to, we've all been to like Lagoon or a Six Flags here and there. Um, Kester and Lagoon I have been to a local theme park Evermore. more. <laughs> What the uh for Lagoon? for our
0: our listeners oh, who yeah. may have never heard of Lagoon, yeah. uh think yeah. of yeah. a very small six flags kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah, believe but it's, but it's big for Utah. Like growing, Bush Gardens, sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: growing up, I was just a few hours from Kings Dominion in Virginia, from Bush Gardens in Virginia, from and those are like pretty big ones. Uh-huh, and, uh huh, and from Hershey Park as well. We went to Hershey Park a couple of times uh, in, in Michigan, Pennsylvania. There's a
0: Cedar Point, or is that in Ohio? It might be on the
1: Ohio-Michigan border. There, I'm not, there might be one in multiple places. Yeah, um, I mean, Santa Monica Pier has. Enough rides to call it a theme park, yeah, and like kind of a big carnival space. Um, Evermore Park in Utah Utah is a big one in the storytelling kind of thing that we probably won't go super heavy in because Kester and I have have been there, and
2: there's no rides. It's very experimental. It's storytelling, like
1: yeah, it's um. I'm trying to think of a way to like give it good context, especially for Joseph. It's very. role play heavy and like every element of a disney line or ride or store where they're trying to say it's like yeah you're you're in this world you're in this story it's just that except it's like just character interactions so
2: i've seen
1: oh go ahead sorry kestra
2: they did have at least one uh imagineer help um
1: yeah, like, work a, like a former, a former and, Disney. Yeah, an Imagineer person.
2: is uh someone. I think the founder of
1: the of the park. I think so.
2: Yeah. Uh, so an Imagineer is a Disney engineer for the theme parks. Basically, is what it is. They, they're engineers. Or they're artists, creative, yeah, artists, creative,
1: creative writers. Um,
2: sometimes it's people who were animators and then are brought over to Imagineering. But that's what Imagineers mm-hmm. is. For those who may not be familiar with that so, word.
0: So for any listeners who are completely unfamiliar, which I would guess is most, uh, Evermore, which I am familiar with from the Salt Lake Fanex, which used to be kind of Salt Lake Comic Con, but there were legal issues with the name there, uh, they, they will often have like a big booth uh, promoting Evermore. And I remember the first time it appeared, all of us were kind of like, what in the world is this? And I finally decided uh, that my understanding of it and so tell me if I'm wrong, since you've actually gone to it, is that this is as though you've programmed the Star Trek holodeck to give you a steampunk
1: Ren Faire fantasy experience. And you stepped into it. Kinda, kind of. Ki- kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Evermore and and some of its current iteration is not exactly what it was but i wish the, we went to but the, all original the marketing, all the marketing material the is still going to like they haven't updated everything so yeah. if you go to the website it might outline stuff that's not quite what it is mm-hmm. anymore because it's had kind of a tumultuous history and as all theme parks had a very rough time with the pandemic yes. yep um so you're like you are supposed to be kind of in character as you go into it and everyone that you interact with is in character and they can give you, you know, little quests to do. And so you're supposed to like, Oh, you've got to go talk to these people or pick up this thing or,
2: but there's no map. So you don't know where you're supposed to go.
1: That was super frustrating. And we're like, you have to talk to a lot of strangers when you go to evermore. (laughs) And that is not my favorite thing to do and not what I want out of, out of an amusement park. And And, And like, I'd I'd go watch them perform a bunch of things that, and, and there was some of that where like, they are acting. They are performing, yeah. and that was really yeah. entertaining. And
2: it was entertaining. However, when we were like, "Okay, someone guide us what where do I, to do,", where do I need to go? they would not break character at all, and like did not give us information. And so it was really hard to be like, "Okay, but I'm new here. I need direction. I need someone to like guide me for five minutes." And and there's not that they're they're not there. The the people that who work there while they're doing an amazing job at their acting it's just not like for your first time and and trying to get into it it's not connection there's no connection
1: some some of them enjoyed doing their acting more than they enjoyed us having a good experience
2: yeah Hmm.
1: which you can imagine is a dicey territory and yeah yeah. that does not sound like my wheelhouse (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and and evermore has an interesting history in and of itself for mm-hmm. like like i said the different iterations at one point they did a very heavy transition away from continuous story when they had had a, an ongoing story like season and, after season year after year yeah. we actually had like a story building inside of it mm-hmm. and that was being influenced by oh which groups in the park did the guests yeah. want to interact with more. And, the, you know, that that grouping became, you know, more prominent in the story because people were interacting with them more. And then they kind of shut that down. And there was some hefty backlash.
2: Oh, yeah. Like From the, the, the constant uh, frequent visitors. Mm-hmm. It was they they got very nasty, nasty on online. And yeah. I can't remember if it was around that time or before that time or if it was around the pandemic, I can't remember when it was, but uh, leadership completely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I had family members who were part of the initial uh, leadership, team. leadership team, and then they, they weren't left, and... and they left. And and like a lot of people left and it was, it just didn't go forward in the direction yeah. that, it, that the initial vision of it.
1: And, and so, and one of the things, especially with the old version, but I think with the new version as well, is the storytelling is more fruitful if you go multiple times it's yeah. not a like okay like hey we're doing it for this day it was kind of tailored for it, hey you're gonna come back like every couple of weeks right because we're telling a story across the next three three months
2: and it's a cool it's a cool concept it's mm-hmm. it's a unique concept that just needs some tweaking and a lot of things in in theme parks especially uh, when it comes to storytelling or new concepts, they just need a little bit of
0: tweaking mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to
2: get to the perfect um
0: thing. hmm Okay. I can I read something? Yes. From based on what Kesher just said. Uh this is coming uh when we said we were gonna have this discussion, I was like thinking about like storytelling theme parks I'm like, surely someone has said something about this in some depth. And I found a doctoral dissertation from Carissa Baker. Uh, named exploring a three dimensional narrative medium, the theme park as der spruch, just
1: broke. And large. She throws in a German word in her
0: title, which uh, together and tell her story I has a,
1: a clear German meaning,
0: yes, <laughs> together and tell her stories, it seems. Uh, but I just started skimming through like her abstract and a brief summary of this dissertation. And it's so much of like some of the ideas I kind of had percolating, but so much better <laughs> and well-defined than some of my thoughts. But one thing that she says fairly early on, uh, she has a section about in theme park as unique narrative medium. And she says, Unlike other art forms, which tend to reach a kind of permanence, theme parks add and subtract attractions or reinvent themselves and are still considered the same narrative container. They are living canvases where attractions can be built, altered, repurposed, or removed with the whole park narrative intact. As the large companies have shown, attractions or even entire parks can be reproduced. Um, And I love that idea of as a storytelling medium, theme parks are living canvases, unlike, you know, a film, which once it's out, unless you're George Lucas, it's out and done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Or or comic books, you know, or novels. It's like, okay, well this thing came out. And even like with George Lucas t- tinkering, like there's a, you, 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 you know what Star Wars was and you know what this yeah. new version and this changes theme parks because it's so interactive and immersive. When you step into it, if it's different than last time, you can't go recapture exactly what it was before.
2: Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of the original snow white ride that opened with Disneyland in 1955. Uh, when that f- ride first opened, it was... It, how do I describe it? It was a ride. It was a dark ride. A dark ride is um, a, a slow moving ride where you're just in a vehicle and you're going through different... Uh, so like pirate scenes from stories, story movies. scenes, right. scenes. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah and so and these are really common in the disney parks yes and probably not so common in any other parks because it is a it, like it is right as storytelling right yes. you see these different vignettes with the audio animatronics and they tell a snippet of the story and then it's timed appropriately that you move on to the mm-hmm. next snippet of the story and the next snippet of the story yeah and and when so you get these dark rides at at disney parks because it's like yeah this is a familiar story we're gonna tell you a a yes two minute version of it
2: so when it first opened, it was called Snow White Scary Adventures. And the idea was that you, as the visitor, were Snow White. And so there was no Snow White anywhere in the ride. You were just in the vehicle and you were Snow White and you were going through the forest. You were going through into the cabin, into the cabin and dancing with the dwarves and and all that. And people would come out and be like, Where's Snow White? I wanted to see Snow White in the Snow White ride. And so after a little bit it closed down and they added Snow White animatronics to it. And that definitely helped. And then years, 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 decades later, um
1: within the last five years. Yes. Now.
2: They they changed it so that it wasn't Snow White's scary adventure. Um it was a little more happier tune, uh, and it was just Snow White's enchanted wish. And you can definitely tell that the storytelling Elements had changed, but um, there are still the scary parts to Mm -hmm. it with the witch. But yeah, from the very beginning where there was no Snow White because you were supposed to be Snow White and no one understood that. They didn't get it, which people would get it now.
1: Yeah.
0: A lot more rides are oriented in that direction where your participation in the ride is having a a role in the narrative. It's not just Mm -hmm. viewing the vignettes around you uh,
1: or riding on a roller coaster. Even It's, it's like there's a story here and you're a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Disney stuff, I, and I don't know enough of the history to be like really specific, but I think the Disney parks were probably kind of pioneering the story. Like you are immersed in story kind mm-hmm. of approach. And, and it's probably more prevalent in Disney stuff than anywhere else. Right. Like, like I said, we've been to other theme parks and Joseph, I know like you and I, and this is a long time ago, but we went to like Six Flags together. I think visiting our brother in Texas, and they have like the Superman Tower of Power, and it's a drop ride and Superman themed, meaning it's red and blue colored. Like yeah. there is no story to the Superman Tower of yeah. Power.
2: From yes. from what I know, I believe Disneyland was the first theme park everything else was an amusement park Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, theme park being it had a theme there were storytelling elements specific to each ride or to each land and it was kind of a unique idea to its its concept
0: yeah um this uh dissertation from carissa baker has uh, a chapter on uh the uh survey of theme park narratives and it has a section that is disneyland the birth of the theme park so i think you are correct i'm going to yeah 100 yeah. <laughs> sign off on <laughs> what you just said about disneyland being the first um of that and really i, I mean i haven't been to a ton all right like, like i said we went to Di- legoland which it the way that they integrate storytelling into their rides pales in comparison to what you find at disneyland uh, i was gonna so assume think a lot that of lego stuff discussion... is, is
1: fairly light on the story
0: yeah, yeah. a lot of the. I mean, they do have the Lego Land or Lego Movie Land within and, Lego yeah. Land. Uh, so, the, and that one you like the the main right in there is Emmett's Flying Adventure. I think is what it was called. And you do have like the Chris Pratt voiced Emmett like talking you through a story and there is a story with everything. It's like um, soaring at Disneyland where you're,
2: you're
0: uh-huh. in seats that lift in front of a giant screen. So you feel like you're kind of in the screen and it is absolutely a story. That that was the most immersed in, in storytelling of any mm-hmm. of them, but that's rooted in the Lego movie itself, not in the concept of Lego. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them are just this is a roller coaster, and we have a Lego aesthetic in the roller coaster cars. <laughs> that, right. That's the level of immersion that you're going to get.
1: Well, and and- Soren's an interesting one for you to bring up because that's not story heavy. Soren mm-hmm. is kind of just like, hey, this is a cool experience. Like it's the closest to, to a basic roller coaster in the fact that it's like there's not really a narrative here. They mm-hmm. do a lot of theming. So there's like an effect of you walking on and you're like walking through the history of flight and and it feels like an airport. Yeah. And the seats are supposed to feel like airplane seats. But there's not a character. Like there is a there's
2: no story. There's
1: an instructional video with Patrick Warburton, but there's not like a mascot even yeah. for Soren.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with um I've also been to Universal Orlando. I don't know, I don't think I've been to Universal uh, uh, in California. In California, I have. Um, but I've been to Universal Orlando and yeah, they have rides that are themed and have story to it, mm-hmm. but they don't do it as well. And yeah, they have lands, but it doesn't feel the same with storytelling as like at Disney. And it's, but until you get to like Harry Potter world, like Mm -hmm. the newer
1: stuff. And that's almost getting to like ever more levels.
2: Yes. And it's just, it doesn't, nothing really compares to Disney in, in my experience. And yeah, it's still great to go to our local theme park lagoon or to go to Universal or to go to Legoland and, and get to experience these new things and these other rides and these other um stuff but when it comes to storytelling it's not quite on par with the disney storytelling mm-hmm. that i've experienced
1: i will say though i think the disney stuff one it's sometimes kind of superfluous yes and sometimes it's also hard to know what's actually going on which is different for like me and kester because we're we're geeks about it, yeah. And so Joseph's actually a really useful test case uh, for this <laughs> mm-hmm. discussion because Joseph, you've gone to the parks less than us, right? You've yeah, gone I've a number of like times,
0: three times in my life,
1: I believe. Yeah. So you have experience with it, but it's yeah. but it's less than us. And even though you've been there recently, the level to which you are seeking to engage with the story is probably different from us, and in part because you don't have the foreknowledge, right? Yeah. You have what they give to you at the park for some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And like the Incredicoaster is a roller coaster. It's a good roller coaster. It used to be California screaming. Used to be California which was, screaming. Which was just a roller coaster. It was just a
2: roller coaster. Because most of California adventure used to just be molar theme park theme mm-hmm. or, or amusement park theme. Yeah.
1: And, and Joseph, you wrote it this yeah. time. There is clearly a narrative story about yes. the Incredibles that is happening. While you are also... Getting flipped upside down and doing like multiple big roller coaster moments, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a like a ninety second two minute story about like babysitting and they're using powers to get powers. Baby Jack Jack back after he escapes. Yeah. Yeah. and they use smells. They have right, characters which... in in position. They have flashing lights and stuff. Uh huh. I'm glad you mentioned the smells
0: because, um, while I was waiting in line for Disney Cars with my two youngest boys. Uh, my wife took our two older kids, my daughter and my, my son, and they went and did a credit coaster twice because they had a very short line and the, the cars ride line was not short. I was there for a long time. That line Um, is is always outrageous for the the ride that it is. It's an outrageous If I did not have a cars obsessed youngster, I would not have been in it. Uh, but, but there we were. Um, and. So they did the Incredicoaster, and I remember you telling me specifically about the smells of the cookies and that they sell those cookies because there's a point where Mr. Incredible is trying to coax Jack-Jack with a cookie as you go through a tunnel. And in the tunnel, they're releasing the smell of fresh baked cookies. And because I think that was the last time I went. You told me about that, and I remember that happening, and I, and, um, I mentioned it to my wife after she had done it twice, and she's like, I don't remember any smell. So, like, mm-hmm. the storytelling was subtle enough that without any forewarning, she missed it. That that yeah. was yeah. that that was going on, um, and, and that then, could also
1: just be like maybe the smells were down that day,
0: yeah.
2: or well, maybe well, no, she later, didn't later inhale in, through her nose. Uh, or
0: later on in the day, I did uh, I did it with um, with my kids, including um, one of my sons that had been with me on the on the cars one. He was like he was like depending on how fluffy his hair was, he could have been allowed or not allowed <laughs> um, on the ride. The height line was like right there, and at mm. the front of the line, they said he can go. So he really wanted to do it because he wanted to do a loop to loop. He wanted to be upside down. And so I'm like, okay, I'll take him. I had just taken my other son. but So I went for a second time, and I had him with me. And my daughter, uh, Lizzie, was like, hey, when we get up there, they're not going to let him. They're going to measure him again, and they're going to say he's too short. And she's like, "Give me, turn around. And she grabbed – uh, two of the, the park maps that I had and she folded them up and said put these in your, in your heels <laughs> Gosh! and when he got up to the line she measured him again and this lady was definitely like eyeing super close and his head was like just barely touching it so I think her, her map lifts actually got him onto the ride um, not technically and, a crime <laughs> but, but doing that I smelled the, the cookies very strongly I think it's because I was looking for it um, but also that storytelling like you said it's there it is so frenetic though I think unless you're like looking for it, you could easily miss it all.
1: Yes. And I think that's one of the things with like a lot of the Disney rides is there's a frenetic pace. And if you're not looking for the story and you're not like, if you don't know what the story is like, and sometimes they inform the story as you walk through the queue, right? Mm -hmm. There's posters or, or information or things that if you're looking for it, then you can find it. And, and if you're, Looking at your phone and killing time, then you're not going to see all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Right. So it's so like with the Incredito Coaster,
0: at the very beginning, there's a moment where uh, as it launches you and you're getting all that acceleration, they have water spurt up next to you that's supposed to be uh, dash running along yeah. the yep. coaster. Right. I don't think I caught that until this time that I did it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's always, has it always been there? You would know uh, better than
1: me. It's not always active. It doesn't okay. always activate properly. But
0: I don't think I've ever noticed that before. I'm like, oh, that's Dash running next to me. I don't think my kids caught it at all that that mm-hmm. was there. But, you know, it is a little nod
1: to, to well, some and of the, the, there. the like, because a lot of these rights have what's called pre-show or, mm-hmm. you know, there's elements in the queue. And if the queue is really fast, you're going to miss out on stuff, right? Yeah. Like you might have details where it's like, oh, I just walked past the, the wall that has all the explanation because the queue's short, right? And mm-hmm. so they build these things in knowing that people are going to sit in line for an hour. And And, and again, sometimes people just aren't looking. They're looking at their phone and they're not looking at these details that contribute to the story. For Snow White's Enchanted Wish, there's like two or three books that you're supposed to read some notes. And that gives you the context for where in the story, when you're on the ride, you're actually stepping into the movie.
2: Yeah. And a lot of the cues at Disneyland have not been updated like they have at disney world Mm -hmm. at disney world so at at disneyland the peter pan's flight has it's it's an outdoor queue so there's not really much um storytelling in the queue there's one little thing that you can activate it with your phone to let it light up like tinkerbell's there Mm -hmm. but there's not really much there it doesn't have any books or anything and and when you
1: when you get on the ride you're on a flying pirate ship
2: yeah when you get on the ride you're on a flying pirate ship and it's really cool um but at disney world at walt disney world they updated the queue um i want to say in 2012 2013 oh, you they, had they had done a huge they had done a huge fantasy land update around that time and um And they updated some cues and they've been updating the cues at Disney world a lot so that they're interactive. And at, at Peter Pan's flight, you go through the, the nursery Mm -hmm. and you go through uh, another part of the house. And there's some interactive elements that you can like move things around in the shadows. And it's really cool. And it's, it's more entertaining to stand through that line and to, uh, be a part of the story that way versus where at Disneyland you're just standing there.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, this is something I wanted to ask you specifically about lines because um, we did Rise of the Resistance and had an adventure with the line. Uh, yep. But there's a good chunk of it that was outside in the hot sun with uh, poorly directed fans that at my height, which is incredibly average, my <laughs> <laughs> height, they, or they quite did not get you very Like I, I was dripping with sweat from standing in line by the time we got into the shaded portion of the line, which was still incredibly long at that point. Is there a reason that Disney isn't doing something like playing all of the short Star Wars animations they've made for Disney Junior and Disney? (laughs) Like, why aren't they playing Galaxy of Adventure clips
1: while you're waiting in line? In some places they do. Right. We were in line once for meeting Mickey Mouse in in Mickey's house in Toontown, which is now closed. Um, And they're they're redoing Toontown. Um, And there was a big, a huge chunk of that line which was just switchbacks in a room that looked like a theater and they were putting on some of the current Mickey mouse shorts. It was a cycle of like three or four of them. And mm-hmm. that line ended up being really long. So we watched all of them like 10 times. Oh, see um, that, yeah, There's so enough that guy, mouse material. Why isn't that yeah. on a, a yeah. new loop? <laughs> also, I don't really care for the the current stuff. I like the older stuff better. The current yeah. Or like
0: uh, we did like the web slingers line, which has a fairly long line. Why aren't they playing like some of the, uh, the Spidey the, and the the his Marvel shorts or, or, or Spidey and his amazing friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that, would make the existence in line which is inherent to theme parks more passable particularly when your theme
1: park oriented entirely around children yeah and yes kids especially in line for two hours and, and not every kid has a phone when they're five yeah. years old to you know pull the stuff out and that's a big drain on phones that's a good that is a good call joseph because there are sections of lines that are good and entertaining and there are sections of lines where it's like just put up a screen and just like, show it, some of the stuff. It, makes, well, it I completely understand why you don't play like a new hope because no one would ever watch the
0: whole movie. Hopefully, mm-hmm. while in line, <laughs> but you have enough short content material of Star Wars that if you just had a loop of all their Galaxy of Adventure stuff, yeah, that while you're in line, I think that could be help help the kids at least. No, I you're think there, you're. you're there.
1: I think you're very correct, Joseph. I'm going to tell you something that you are not going to appreciate, but it's something that. People who, like Imagineers who are making the decisions about this are probably mm-hmm. taking into consideration oh, yeah. and deciding sure not reasons. to do that. It's yeah. and, and for like Rise of the Resistance in particular, it's probably because then it's not immersing you in the story. Theoretically, when once you step into line, you're supposed to be in Star Wars world and you don't see anything in the environment. Okay. That's not Star Wars world. Now, do and I think that's very kind cool. of stupid? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of stupid. And it was very cool at a
0: certain point for Rise of the Resistance. But there was about two hours of line time before I got to that point where it became very cool to be in line and
1: immersed. Yeah. And and so I think have had that. (laughs) And I will say, especially in Galaxy's Edge, in the Star Wars land, they made a very firm commitment to some immersive choices, which, Mm -hmm. again, I think were really, really stupid. Joseph, fun fact, which, again, with a relatively limited experience, you're probably not going to care for. And we didn't see characters really in the Star Wars area, very much, unless you saw them later on in the day. Um, uh, characters roaming. Oh, I've, I'm suddenly forgetting
0: her name. But, uh, the Boba Fett's helper. Uh, okay, Fennec, Fennec Shand. Yeah, we saw Fennec Shand. That um, was the only
1: character we saw. They made some very particular decisions for Galaxy's Edge about this fits into the Star Wars timeline at this point.
0: Yeah, it really should and be. they every do not need, right and there.
1: they don't branch out from that. So, can I tell you, Darth Vader does not greet in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, you cannot, you cannot meet Darth Vader in Galaxy's Edge mm-hmm. because it takes place after Darth, Darth Vader, Vader has been defeated. Yeah. But what if somebody wants to meet Darth Vader? You're out of luck. Because Galaxy's yeah. Edge takes place theoretically in the times of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that also doesn't make sense with the with the Mandalorian and Boba Fett and Fenix Shand mm-hmm. showing up. So they've been a little softer about it but they didn't go so they soft should go as to say. they should go all but, out it's like no I need to be able to see I should be able to see Luke Skywalker yeah. or Obi-Wan Kenobi or Padme, Beach, just like I should that be that able way. to see anybody from any era but Imagineers <laughs> made a decision to lock it in and that's why I think they would not give you that extra entertainment feature mm-hmm. in the lines it's like oh but like This isn't a world where you can watch Star Wars. You're in Star Wars. Yeah. And it's kind of pretentious and not always super helpful.
2: Before the pandemic. So in Tomorrowland, there is a big building that currently is labeled Star Wars Launch Bay. That, before the pandemic, is where you could meet other characters that you can't meet in Galaxy's Edge. Like Darth Vader. It's on
1: the entire opposite side of the park. Yes. Mm
2: -hmm. And for a long time before galaxy's edge was even a concept uh there were times that you would be able to meet padme you would be able to meet anakin skywalker you'd be able to meet leia or darth uh, vader. or darth vader
1: or jawas
2: yeah and now that's very rare you mm-hmm. you're not going to meet them um, especially in galaxy's edge you'll be able to meet che- Chew- chewbacca you'll be able to meet ray but you're not going to meet han solo because he dies in, in Force Awakens.
1: Spoilers.
2: <laughs> Sorry, it's been almost <laughs> it's 10 been years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, when it comes to other park things, they do have a Disney Play app where you're supposed to be able to interact with certain things at certain places in the park. Not a lot of people know about that. And that and doesn't not a, do
1: any good for a five-year-old.
2: And it doesn't do any good for a five-year-old. But in comparison to from Galaxy's Edge to avengers campus when and those opened just a couple years apart
1: like two to three years apart yeah
2: yeah uh avengers campus they came up with the idea that it was going to be timeless like you can meet Mm -hmm. characters that were dead so you can meet iron man and and
1: isn't it nice to be able to meet all of the characters that you care about and even characters that you don't care about as much but you've got the options of all of them right joseph
0: yes so i remember regardless so, I, like, of the I timeline, saw, um the falcon captain america and then also the Sea rogers captain america in pretty yeah. quick succession there yeah uh, and, 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 and people want
2: to people want to meet me and at take all.
1: pictures with both of them yeah. yeah
2: and once once a marvel tv show has dropped soon after you're going to oh, yeah. be able to meet
1: like premiere day people were meeting kamala khan
2: yeah um but But then after a while,
1: by the way, which she didn't have in the premiere,
2: (laughs) but after a while, they're not going to be able to meet those characters because they're just not as popular after a little bit. And so they did have Moon Knight for a little bit, but we I didn't
1: even hear about Moon Knight. I
2: think I think so. Maybe not. Is
1: there just no photo lines forming from Moon Knight? So like, okay, scratch. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. I mean, but
2: they they like America
1: Chavez was there when Doctor Strange came out. And now I don't think she's there. I think just Doctor Strange.
2: And so it's. You're going to be able to meet different characters, and I'm sure. I'm sure at certain times, especially, uh, the pandemic has definitely uh, done some stuff to the parks, mm-hmm. and uh, to all parks throughout the world. And it's as, as soon as they've settled into what is going to be the normal, yeah, the status quo. Things will probably change and I think Avengers Campus you'll still be able to meet different characters and at mm-hmm. d- certain times of the year you're going to be able to meet America Chavez. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to meet uh Moon Knight. You're going to be able to meet Captain and Captain America both both kinds.
1: Yeah, and I think that's much better than the hard commitment that they made in Galaxy's Edge. And and yeah. and which is again a, a softening commitment, but that does like go back to it's like okay, but why aren't we playing Star Wars stuff in line? Some of it's because it's like, well, you're supposed to be in the world. So they won't play Avengers yeah. stuff in the lines because like, oh, but you're on Avengers campus. And I think people could very reasonably hold the disparate ideas in their head because also <laughs> I'm next to a bunch of people who are doing things on their phones. Like, I yeah. know that I'm not in Star Wars. I'm pretty right? clear yeah.
0: that I am in Calvary. Now, I, I do want to. Give a shout and, out and if you have a Galaxy's transition Dead.
1: point, if you have a transition yeah. point where it's like, OK, now I'm in. I'm in the space full on. They've like left the TVs out there. Mm -hmm. I think that's totally reasonable. But yeah, yeah, there's two hours of line where you could like, yeah, I could be watching Star Wars shorts. You could be making me fall in love with stuff that you have merchandise for. Mm -hmm.
0: I do want to give a shout out to this idea of immersion for galaxy's edge rise of the resistance. Once you get to the end of the line, you first go into, uh, it looks like you're walking onto a spaceship and they give you this. Uh, they've got an animatronic pilot up there. Uh, they've, they've got video footage with like Poe Dameron talking to you about like you are joining the resistance. Oh, no, you're being did, captured by it. Did you by, like the
1: hologram that they had before that? Yes. I, I don't know how they do that hologram. It looks amazing.
0: And it was really good. And and so you're on the ship uh, and and it feels like a uh, a little like Star Tours. Uh, yeah, but not, motion you know, not, simulator stuff. Yeah, not, not quite as exciting as Star Tours. And it's kind of like, OK, is this the ride? And then. Uh, They say you got captured onto a Star Destroyer and the door opens up and you're on the set of a Star Destroyer, uh, like with, you know, dozens of Stormtrooper mannequins there in the background. And uh, an Imperial, uh, you know, actor or actress comes up and tells you like, okay, you've been captured. Members of the resistance, you've all been captured. um, March this way and they give you specific. They're putting you into another line. Right. Which is where the next. But. I will tell you, this blew my five-year-old's mind, who loves Star Wars. Because he was like, on a Star Destroyer. He was now on, and that level of immersion was amazing, and for young kids particularly, like, worked really well. And, and you then, see you see the AT-ATs? That yeah, was great. You, yes, so the, the, later, when you're on the next part of the ride, it's the Resistance trying to get you off of the Star Destroyer, and you're on this, like, droid-driven cart, and it takes you through different rooms of the Star Destroyer. And one of them is this giant bay where there are ATATs that you like drive under. And when we enter that room, like he just yelped like <gasps> Like, <laughs> 1880s. like like that and, one gets to me because it's so cool yeah. and it is an amazing level of immersion and that's like storytelling as immersion at that point in Rise of the resistance i was all on like waiting in line outside i'm like okay like wait, i need something else going on here than the idea that i'm in the world of star wars mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. especially for my kids <laughs> to try and keep them excited yeah uh about this um but like from that point where you enter the ship and it's, it's like actually a pretty canny way to like extend the line time but make you feel like you're on the ride when you're not yet yeah um that they do uh like that was brilliant and uh the level of immersion was just amazing and it was all fantastic but that's like basically you're on the right at that point uh yeah. and yeah. so this idea of storytelling as immersion because i think well, like, when we're talking about the storytelling there's storytelling as immersion where you're part of the story which is what this one is doing and also like web slingers is doing so those are two of the very newest rides and very much you are like supposed to be a participant in the story and the ride is part of you in the story and then there's other ones that are like uh immersion as spectator like pirates of the caribbean where you're you're like looking around at the
1: scenes but you're not really supposed to be acting like a pirate or yeah. feel like yeah. you're a pirate at all
0: and, um, and, and
1: pirates is lighter on storyline compared yeah, to others
2: yeah the 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 more older uh rides are typically lighter on immersion immersion sounds like they tried to do that
0: with snow white initially that you were supposed to be immersion as character yeah uh, and it didn't work then but
2: (laughs) i just had an idea because i know that imagineers do not want to like put on the shorts because it's going to distract you from stuff but what if they had the characters in at certain points in the line like come on and, and like do a little skit mm-hmm. or something uh, and you
1: could have more animatronics in the line which uh-huh. i think i we haven't been to um pandora in animal kingdom no, which is it was Ava, avatar themed when right, we wait, went hold for, on okay when
2: we there's, went for our honeymoon we there's it an was,
1: avatar world yeah. yes.
0: yes okay i kind of re- this is ringing a bell that i read a headline that they made a theme park of avatar now this is in disneyland
2: it's a it's Disney, a Disney World, World at Animal Kingdom. And when we went for our honeymoon in two thousand was under seventeen, they were doing uh, openings for cast members only. Were they really? Yes. Because my oh. my friend cast member was there oh. to see it the day that we were at Animal Kingdom. And
1: I think the lines for that one have more like animatronics at yes. checkpoints. And so there's like story checkpoints where yes. it's like, okay, now like here's a little bit of pre-show, right? That's what it's usually called. Is is pre-show. And so when you're talking about getting on the ship for the first time, that would probably be pre-show. Or when mm-hmm. you're when you see the hologram, that's definitely pre-show. Yeah. Um in Millennium Falcon, there's an audio animatronic um interaction that is pre-show. Ooh.
0: That reminds me when I want to talk about the Millennium Falcon, but let's let's finish with Kestra talking about uh the the Avatar world.
1: Yeah.
2: So, um it Which opened... must have
0: seemed like a slam dunk when Avatar was the biggest movie in the world, but
1: yeah. I mean, they made it like <laughs> almost 10 years after that. So.
2: It, Why? Yeah, it opened in 2017, just a couple weeks after we had our honeymoon uh, at Disney World. So we missed it just by a couple weeks. But um, from what I've know from from friends, even if you don't enjoy the movie Avatar, or if you have never seen the movie Avatar, just going to uh, Pandora uh at Animal Kingdom, you are immersed in this huge, foresty, beautiful, exotic alien planet. alien planet. And it's just like it's gorgeous. And at night it lights up like no other. Like it's just fantastic. It's there's so many different things to see, to touch, and the lines aren't like, yeah, they'll be long, but they don't feel that long because there are interactions. And different things to see. Whereas when it comes to. Star Wars. Or even Avengers Campus. In the lines. It's not as of It's
1: kind of limited.
2: It's just like okay we're trying to get you on the ride now. and mm-hmm. But that's really hard. When it's a new ride. Or a new area. And the lines get super long. Or uh, the rides. Will break down. Like the day that. Joseph was at Rise of Resistance. Oh, you don't have
1: to make him relive it, Kestra.
2: <laughs> no, I was just going to say, it, uh, Rise of Resistance had broken down, but so did so many other big rides. Big Thunder down, was down for several hours. Indiana Jones was down the, the, whole the rest of the day. We never got to ride it. Um, and there was another ride that was down, too, and I can't remember which ride it was, mm. but they're including Rise of Resistance. like something when When all the big rides go down, it's just like, okay, now where do we go
1: (laughs) yeah yeah puts a lot of pressure on a few other rides
0: yeah yeah
1: um i wanted
0: to say the the immersion in the rise of the resistance like was really amazing but like once you're on the starter shore like they march you through the lines and then you board like this droid transport that's supposed to be taking you to the prison cell area and then it's taken over by the resistance and you get you know you zip through and, and there's a really cool narrative that's driving all the action but you're able to observe it all the millennium falcon ride i found is super cool if you're piloting the millennium falcon but mm-hmm. if you're not i find like the tasks you're being given as part of the immersion actually distract you from the ride and it's yes. less fun and it's harder
2: uh, to see yes so Especially the millennium falcon when ride you're, you're in the very back.
0: you're in the cockpit and there's two pilots at the front so you're always in groups of six which i've got four kids that's so that worked perfect perfect for us. Uh, there's two pilots at the front and then there's two gunners that are supposed to slap buttons when they glow on the side panel and that's them using their blasters and then there's two engineers that are supposed to slap buttons when they glow and saying like you got to reroute power systems or whatever because the ship has been damaged and if you find yourself looking over at the buttons to hit the right ones you miss all the fun of the ride uh, mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. the fun of the ride is looking through the cockpit and seeing the Millennium Falcon z- z- you know, zip through planets and architecture and have a space battle um, and so that level of immersion I think actually kind of hurts the ride the quality of the ride uh yeah. if you're piloting it can be very cool because you you get to like pull the stick to do it, jump into hi- you know, hyperspace and and it does somewhat react to you turning left or right or up or down uh, yeah it, it's really not perfect i mean i i wrote it several times with my kids because that was their from my star wars obsessed kids that was one of their favorite ones and we were able to do lightning pass and get in very quickly yeah. um on that one um so i did it actually once in each position uh oh, that's <laughs> while we were cool. there um And easily the pilot was the best one. And I felt like I lost the joy of being in the Millennium Falcon when I was actually trying to participate in guiding the Millennium Falcon by shooting the, you know, being the gunner or the engineer, which Mm -hmm. is a bizarre thing because you'd think that would always elevate it. Um, But there's this balance, I think, that they have to be trying to strike of going on a ride and enjoying the ride itself and feeling like you're in the world. and. Mm-hmm. I, if it's not just right i think it's really easy to shift too far where okay i'm on a roller coaster but does it doesn't matter <laughs> you know whatever the theming is around this or is it just to do the roller coaster or am i so immersed in trying to do a job on the millennium falcon that i miss the ride
1: yeah well and there's so there's two big things that i want to talk about out of that one of them is about web slingers which mm-hmm. i know we'll get to cuz it's also a big themed story focused ride and and actually the first thing that i want to talk about impacts web slingers um about like the level of immersion and the em- level of commitment to the story that needs to be there and and sometimes they layer on too much cuz sometimes mm-hmm. they're layering on a, a game element to it like in yeah. web slingers or millennium falcon right you get a score at the end of those but yeah. then there's also a layer that you'll see more commonly in in other rides and Kestra and i have, have talked about it it's like yeah they need to stop doing this and and like other like we've listened to other podcasts where they say, Yeah, they need to stop doing this. This is this is a stupid add-on to the story that is just like taking up unnecessary and, brain space. And the, the
2: And it can be cool for like one or two rides, yeah. but having it for so many of the ride, new rides that are coming out, especially, it's, it's just
1: it, it feels like a crutch, especially yeah. right, as it, a storytelling thing. The element is okay, you're in line and you're going to do a uh-huh. thing. But when you get into the pre-show, someone's going to explain how everything's gone wrong and now you're doing something different. Mm, right, And that is going to be the premise of why this ride is doing what it's doing, which you get a little bit of that in Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, mm-hmm. except that it's pretty clear, like, like Rocket shows up in the pre-show and he tells you like, okay, here's what's really going on. Most people probably don't like really... Connect with the idea initially for it because it's called Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Theoretically, there is a narrative for that ride where you are going on a tour of the collector's collection Mm -hmm. and then it goes wrong and Rocket is breaking the Guardians of the Galaxy out. But everyone goes in knowing that it's going to be a breakout for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have a ton of that, right? Yeah. But like the, okay, here's a premise and then it's going to go wrong has become a really common one for why this ride is going to be bumpy or chaotic or exciting
2: like web slingers mm-hmm. you are
1: you're go- supposed to be you're supposed touring to be something going on a tour and then something goes wrong some-
2: and then something goes wrong and mm-hmm. so he calls in your help for to help wrangle in all these spider mm-hmm. bots
1: and credit coaster is like something goes wrong with the babysitting Mm-hmm. yeah jack jack escapes and this is just seeing the incredible family
0: you're following the incredible family their efforts to reclaim jack jack mm-hmm. as he uses powers to float around the yeah the,
1: you know the length of the roller coaster star tours is an old example of it mm-hmm. right? oh, I, I are you I supposed think star to tours go... is
0: a really great example
1: yeah it's it's, it's, yeah, it's... like the older ones are, are better ones and guardians i think is one of the best ones yeah because it's like still pretty straightforward mm-hmm. and you have a very like it's not that it's going wrong it's like no something different is happening now yeah um but Star Tours is like, oh, C-3PO is not supposed to be the pilot, and now there's a rebel spy, and it's it's chaotic, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of... I want to say, uh, uh, while we're talking about Star Tours, real quick, I
0: love the storytelling in Star Tours, that every time you go, it's something different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great. Yeah, and it's always... The same like basic motions are happening to the seats, <laughs> but the video that is being played in front of you. So for anyone who hasn't ever been on Star Tours, you're in a Star Wars spaceship and C-3PO is accidentally piloting it. And then uh, as you're leaving somewhere, a Imperial droid like slams up against the glass. and says, Or Darth here. Vader or yeah. Kylo Ren and then they put a picture of Force. someone who's sitting in the room with you like right there like like someone in the ride is the spy that now the empire is trying to capture or the you know the the first order depending on what era your story is set in <laughs> yeah but every time you go on it's a different thing that happens, like a different you, you're gonna try like c3b is gonna pilot you to a different world so the first time i i did it twice this last trip and the first time we ended up and you'll up-
1: go to like two or three different different yeah. settings and they can mix and match them
0: in a, in a prequel era, and we went through a pod race, which um, one of my boys loves pod racing, like he he adores pod racing. So it was amazing that we got to go do pod racing. Uh, like so, we went to Tatooine in the prequel era uh, and did that. And then
1: I can't remember how oh, now it's escaping me what the second planet was, but it was it was still really cool because you always we go were, to two planets. We were on this one with you, and I'm trying to remember, what, remember the other, what the
0: second one was what right? the other planet
1: was. Um, but yeah, like that one was was the, it the one with was the big one
2: with Chewbacca
0: i think that was when we had gone What's the other the day no. okay yeah no we didn't get the other ways. but then the next time we went that night uh we had to go do it again mostly because uh one of my kids the, their big souvenir they wanted to do was the build a your own lightsaber uh the, the plastic version of build your own lightsaber not the hyper expensive one uh,
1: <laughs> and so you're that, like well it,
0: let's go through the ride again and that then store's to the attached store. to star tours so i'm like okay let's do star tours again especially because it was late and so there was no line and that one um it's the
1: best way to go on star
0: tours yep the first planet we went to it was the uh uh, the the planet with the uh, Death Star remnants from Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I haven't seen floating. that one. <gasps> what? And then you went to the final battle in Rise of Skywalker with all the spaceships, which <gasps> Whoa. I, I didn't really care for in the movie itself, but uh-huh. on the ride was pretty awesome. Yeah, I have not <laughs> to seen be in this that battle. We have not seen any of, that. of Rise of Skywalker. We've I, seen and like just all the X wings and Y wings flying around, and all the mm-hmm. the stupid Star Destroyers with the Death Star cannons, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> we... just a wall of those in front of you when you came out of hyperspace, like. As, this is actually pretty cool, even though as, that is yeah. one of
1: my least favorite Star Wars movies. We've as done, much
2: as I hate Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> that does sound cool. That does sound
1: really cool. We've done um, from Last Jedi the crate planet with the red crystals mm-hmm. and everything, and that one's really good. That oh, yeah. would be it's really Star cool. Wars, yeah. And
2: they had they had the crystal was
1: like critters in there, or because um, a lot of times the they, they actors come and actually feel. Oh, it was uh, yeah.
0: Like like for the Rise of Skywalker one, like uh, Billy uh like old Lando was there, like get, mm-hmm. yeah, popped in on the screen to oh, wow. talk to us. That's
1: really cool. So we, I know the one we did um, in the morning where we all did it together, um, Yoda came on as a hologram and and (laughs) talked to everyone. And our son, who's three years old, turned to me and he says, look, it's Grandpa Baby Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) Like he had a concept of Baby Yoda because we have like a little toy one yeah. that, that someone gave us for for christmas or something and the kids like they doesn't know it. the so star wars, like, wars movies well baby, enough to know yoda. yoda um yeah. and they know his, they know his name is grogu and everything but then he sees for the first time in his life i think <laughs> the regular yoda and he's like it's grandpa baby yoda <laughs> which is, oh, that is fantastic. so fantastic to hear him <laughs> we, say
2: we both started laughing too
1: hard because he was so oh, excited so about funny. it he's like i recognize that it's baby yoda but he's old <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, that does sound really good. And, and there's been like, and they, so there's usually two or three different like planets or, oh, I know what we went through for the second part on, yeah. on our morning one. It was the battle of Coruscant, the oh, battle right, over right. Coruscant. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of spaceships and stuff. And so they'll do like do two or three and they make sure that they're from kind of a, a contiguous era. Yeah. So you're not going to do that rise of Skywalker one, and then something from the prequel era or yeah, something from the, it would always stand like yeah, the two planets but, would feel together, but, but, but every time you go, they can mix and match. Era. Yeah. They can mix and match yeah. within that era. So you
2: might have something from rise of Skywalker and the crate planet from last yeah, you Jedi. Might have, you might have uh, it like that. It, it's just going to be a mix and match from the eras, but there's oh. like 42. I don't know. There's what the number. lot of different it, There's a lot of different combinations. I
0: on the, on the planet with the Death Star remnants, because it has the Death Star remnants, uh, you, you you like that your C three PO piloted ship like crashes into the water a little bit, and a whole bunch of Dianogas come out. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: um, and my same son that loves pod racers also loves the Dianoga, and
0: he's like Dianogas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, and so that one it doesn't need to be particular about what era it's taking place in, which is great. It gives you so much more variety yeah. and and mm-hmm. everything than the Galaxy's Edge, mm-hmm. and so so some of these are like really committed to, you know, a certain timeline or a certain story, a certain Canon, right? Like some of these, they have to take place within a certain timeframe of the film. So like guardians of the galaxy has to take place after the first film is over. And also before the second film is over. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that is because baby Groot is baby Groot. Right. And so it's like, okay, somewhere in there. But it doesn't really matter. And there's not also an explanation for why there's a bunch of space stuff on Avengers campus. It's just (laughs) like it's here. It's okay. (laughs) Like, just do it. Um, and and so some stuff has like very clear, like there are narrative explanations that Mm -hmm. if you if you like look it up on Wikipedia, there's going to be like boilerplate text from the studio or the from the park saying, like, Imagineers wrote this stuff down, we're gonna put it everywhere. Like, this is why this is what it is. And some stuff. Is like a little bit out of order if you look at it, and this it goes back into web. But Guestrap might have something to say before I before I dig into the web yeah stuff. Well,
2: so some of the older rides they might have a story that's not shown very well, and it's not um, present in the queue or in mm-hmm. a pre-show, uh, and you might not know that that's the story unless. You know the history.
1: You really know.
2: Like, you really know. Like, one of those rides is the... Ra- so, back in 2015, I did the Disney College program where I worked at Walt Disney World. I worked at Walt Disney World, and I worked the ride Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And I was told at one point that... Uh, a, a story. And Andrew, we went on the uh Walt- the Disneyland uh, Railroad, mm-hmm. and they tell some stories throughout that that ride that 20 minute ride and mm-hmm. one of those was what the story of big thunder it, it was about railroad big called. thunder
1: mountain railroad and i've ridden big thunder mountain railroad like 10 times probably
2: and you know that it's like supposed to be like a runaway train like yeah it's that's mine cars and obvious
1: mm-hmm. but um, old broken down mine and yeah and you're on a mine a mining train and all that sort yeah. of stuff
2: but what it said what what did it say What did it, it was mean?
1: something about like oh yeah and the mine cars are being run by by it like it's haunted mine cars and they're being run by ghosts I was like it's there's ghosts I didn't know there's ghosts for Big Thunder Mountain Railroad
2: yeah so I knew there was ghosts I knew that I've
1: spent I've spent no less than three hours in line for Big Thunder Mountain Railroad
2: yeah and I've been in in working there i was told that um like we were all ghosts working there we were all ghosts helping that. people on <laughs> um and i was also told that there are ghosts driving the train and so when i was told that any uh, anytime that i was in the front of the car of uh, front of the train helping load people in and there was like a small kid in the front row i would tell them what the name of their ghost was i would just make up the name of their ghost but i would be like there's a ghost driving your train this is the name of the ghost and they would be like wait what like they get so into the story and so it like i was part of making them have a story to Mm -hmm. to to follow and i Mm -hmm. wish that sometimes they added things to make it obvious that yeah there's a ghost town yeah there's ghosts driving this train yeah there's this yeah there's that
1: like well, and like a really mild version of this is on teacups, which we've ridden, I don't know, like a dozen times with our kids at this point because they, <laughs> they love, love the that teacups. ride. <laughs> um, but I remember during this trip at the end of it, when the the cast members were telling everyone like to clear out, um, they were like, OK, little sugar cubes, get out of here. It's like, oh, so we're supposed to be the sugar cubes in the teacups. And uh-huh. it's like so there's a narrative identity yeah. for, you know, for us and and what's going on. Yep. Now. I guess the overall question is that I have
0: is what is gained by all this immersion, like adding these story elements to rides. What do you all think is, is gained? And I mean, we've we've highlighted a few instances where maybe some stuff feels like it's lost, like in galaxy's edge where the commitment to the story is maybe Mm -hmm. hamstringing some of what could be fun and magical for kids who don't care what of star Wars
1: they're standing in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so one thing, which will allow me to like talk about web slingers, Mm -hmm. which I've been meaning to for a while. And I I think this will like contribute to that is feeling like a connection to the ride that will drive you to buy merch. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's one of the big things Mm -hmm. is like, no, if it gives people a connection, then they're more likely to, to buy something that has to do with this. And so with web slingers, which is a newer ride, All right. You go through the line and the line has some spots where there's like information about the vehicles that you're going to ride in and like, oh, which people invented stuff that's going to be part of what you're doing and everything like that. Right. So they're building narrative from the beginning. And we talked about Web Slingers being one of the rides where it's, you know, there's supposed to be something going on and then it goes wrong. And so you have pre-show with Peter Parker and the spider bots and suddenly the spider bots are replicating and everything. You go through the ride and you are helping web up all the spider bots. right? like that's this
0: one uh, on the ride for anyone who hasn't done it you are in these cars and like there's only four people in the car so you're all in like the front row of this car and you do kind of like the web slinging motion like you you throw your hands out Mm -hmm. over and over and over and it gives you you severely footage of your web (laughs) shooting out from your from your car and you hurt Um, your shoulders
1: doing it and- yeah,
0: the, you, you get a little little cardio all of a sudden in the middle of a ride that you weren't anticipating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> your heart rate goes up as you're like yeah. throwing your hands out uh, constantly, almost like you're you're boxing.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, the, yeah, there's video of of all these spider bots, and that's what you're aiming at. Mm-hmm. Um, And it gives you a score, which is a weird thing to throw in here, right? By the way, if we're talking about immersive storytelling and everything, it's like, okay, am I helping Spider-Man or am I playing a game? Yeah. Like, is this an arcade <laughs> or is this a story? <laughs> Um, I hadn't thought of that, but you are right. That is a little little catch there. That might theoretically break the immersion a little bit (laughs) to say it's Mm -hmm. like, and you get points for doing all these things. It's like, that's weird that we just got scored on it. Um, And so that's like another layer of it. But yeah, like there's a story going on as you go to these different scenes and you're shooting the webs um, in, in different environments and everything. And then you get off the ride and you kind of funnel towards a store where you can buy spider bots. That now you feel connected to because uh, you would feel you feel more connected to them because there was a narrative about them and like the self replicating and and you got to stop them kind of thing compared to. Oh, yeah, you did an arcade game and it happens to have like these were the targets that you were shooting at during your yeah. arcade game. Right. You can imagine kids or parents, you know, like, well, kids being less attached to them, It was like, yeah, that was the target during the game. I don't really care.
2: Or this and, was... and
1: parents choosing whether or not to buy this based on their kids attachment level to this. Like yeah. we're way more inclined to like say, okay, this is the thing our kids want. We're actually going to buy this because it means something from story versus from like pure game, pure arcade, pure ride.
2: So another ride that has a game element to it that we all rode. um, I think we all rode mm-hmm. uh, was Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. And like, I know that they, that they used to, uh, sell like the guns that you use to to, sh- to the laser guns that you would use to shoot at the targets. Uh, they don't sell those anymore, but they weren't very popular because it was just what you were using to mm-hmm. get at the targets. The things that sold the most were like the Zerk toys, the Buzz Lightyear toys,
1: the stuff you saw, the stuff you saw. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, and then the other thing with slingers, and this kind of again kind of breaks the immersion, is that. When you step out, you might notice and you might have noticed it before, but there's a bunch of those robots webbed up around Avengers Mm -hmm. Campus near that ride. And so as you walk out, you say, oh, I was part of like this environment, like developing this environment. And if you see them before, then it's like, "Okay, what's going on with these things? But if you see them after, then you're like, hey, this is the aftermath of the story that I was just a participant in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be really cool. What's gained in. Other rides from having all this story, I think, is just like creating a sense of deeper experience, right? Even the Incredicoaster, Coaster, as maybe chaotic as it is, it does add a rewritability, right? You enjoyed recognizing mm-hmm. something new about the story. Yeah. Yeah. As much as you enjoyed writing it again. And yeah. it's not that like riding a roller coaster is boring, but no. there there is and- something you gain from from story elements.
2: And what I really like, so when Walt Disney came up with the idea to have Disneyland, um, his original idea was just to have like a little place for uh, cast members and their and their family um, to all be together. Because he he came up with the idea at the carousel at Griffith Park, where uh, his daughters were riding the ride, but. Uh, he wasn't because it wasn't a thing for adults to really ride the ride. And he's like, I need a place where I can also be interacting with my daughters and having fun at the same time. And so he came up with that idea. And eventually it led to Disneyland, which had multiple different lands, several different rides and attractions and things to see and to immerse you into things that um aren't disney ip but also are disney ip especially when it came to fantasyland because fantasyland is all disney uh movies and um and it's really to immerse you into the the stories and have another interaction than just watching a film Mm -hmm. it's to Get you to participate in the story to get you to have that interaction with your family and experience with your family while also experiencing something with that's um related to something you like
1: and and the the ones that are like really straightforward like this is storytelling, it's not a thrill ride. you're coming here to see a different way of storytelling, yeah, account for a lot of the rides at the Disney parks, which are the most successful and popular theme parks in the world. Right. Yeah. But if you're thinking about, okay, which ones are like, this is just about telling a story. It's a lot of rides, right? Snow White, uh, and mansion pirates of the Caribbean. Like these are not thrill rides. They are not exciting rides, but they are telling a little bit of a story and you're seeing cool technology and all that sort of stuff. But that's kind of what the Disney theme park is built on and right? yet they
2: they those rides that even aren't immersing you into a story that just tell a story um are often will get a long line mm-hmm. like haunted mm-hmm. mansion Empires pirates of the caribbean and peter pan will all get long lines
1: i think those each probably run more guests than the matterhorn bobsleds which is a roller coaster yeah yeah on on a given day, I bet more people go through Pirates of the Caribbean than the Matterhorn bobsleds, at, which somehow means that like people are more interested in seeing these stories than they are in a thrill ride.
0: They're also I mean, able there to is get. Also,
1: uh, I
0: mean, it's designed to be a people mover. Like you can yeah. just physically move more people through Pirates of the Caribbean than you can get on, on the but like, uh, Matterhorn bobsled.
1: <laughs> but I mean, people wait in line for for Pirates of the Caribbean for as long a line as they would ride. Wait for for Matterhorn, or yeah. you know. It, it, you know, all those kinds of things. And so there's an element of the story that is drawing people in, right. It is attracting people as, as an attraction. Yeah. And I love, uh,
0: like a lot of the rides that we talk about uh, or like the Avengers campus stuff or the star Wars stuff, like it's taking existing IP and layering it onto rides. Uh, And then sometimes you see the, so Disney, you know, was able to turn Pirates of the Caribbean into a very successful film franchise, uh, maybe of diminishing quality. (laughs) as The (laughs) films progress, but then they seem so desperate to try and make Haunted mansion work as IP outside of the park. They are just trying and trying and trying to make that one happen. Um, And and so some of this is like just the corporate synergy is, what's gained you know the in, in doing this, mm-hmm. these kinds of immersion that um they want that association just so constant like what Kesha was talking about like these positive associations uh to be to be so uh omnipresent uh with disney properties yeah and it yeah. does like i've done free fall rides the most memorable free fall ride i've ever done is guardians of the galaxy some of that may be the engineering of the ride itself is better quality so like it speeds you up faster than gravity as you fall down and but also it's it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, it's more memorable mm-hmm. uh, to have the same actors that we see in the movie theater or on our DVDs or, you know, streaming uh, there in front of you on the screen as you're getting shot up and down, up and down, mm-hmm. up and down, over and over. Um, or, uh, like, I've done plenty of roller coasters at other parks, uh, but, like, doing something like when when Space Mountain is hyperspace Mountain and as you're on the roller coaster, like, there's TIE Fighters and X-Wings zooming around you, there's, there's something... That I can't put my finger on it just makes it so much better <laughs> um, to to be experiencing it with this media that we've consumed in other ways.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, and it, I'd say overall it's probably stronger with the rides that associate to pre-existing stories like the dark rides, Peter Pan and yeah. Snow White, and and um, and those kinds of things. But like, there's still a story going on with with Big Thunder Mountain Railroad to some degree, right? It's, it's a lighter story. Um, Has Disney and, ever tried
0: to make something out of Big Thunder Railroad? There of the is parks? a
1: small comic book series. There were a number of comic books that came out um, based on different, uh, different attractions. Um, I think there were like five or six different mm-hmm. series um, that were kind of telling story of it um, and you know why it exists, but like, If you want, like, I'll give you some some podcasts that tell (laughs) different versions of all of these rides. rides. But yeah, like the mythology of Big Thunder Mountain, where there's like there were multiple potential story concepts for like, what is the idea behind this ride? Like, why does this ride exist? And nobody knows, like, all of that stuff because they were ideas, you know, but they but they always go in with, I mean, basically always some sort of concept for what is the guest in this experience right like are yeah. they uh, are they a participant are they a visitor are they yeah. receiving a tour are they contributing something are they a mm-hmm. player right there's always some sort of concept for that and they create a narrative structure around that and i mean it draws me back to the disney parks more than i want to go back to lagoon which is Infinitely closer and cheaper <laughs> and cheaper than going to the, the parks on a regular basis. The yeah, Especially like, to have my... a five hour traffic jam between there. and wow. my gosh, that was awful. <laughs> the the, but, worst, but ride, uh, the worst ride of or line of the whole experience. It's
2: really easy because my, my best friend also lives just 15 to 20 minutes away from Lagoon. So like we could just go up there and spend the night at her house. And, and then
1: Kestra and I have never gone yeah, together. We've
2: never done that. And it's 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 crazy, but we always... We we will say negative things about certain people in the Disney company or certain things that are happening at the Disney company. I mean,
1: I outlined stuff that I thought I was like, these are stupid choices about the parks, but we still going
2: and we still go on those rides and we still even even if they're not like the best rides or the best storytelling rides, we still go on them and we still go and we have a lot of fun and make so many memories there. And. As a former cast member, I know what the cast members do to try to immerse you into the story as well. And they have, they call them keys. They have a set of keys to help them uh, run the parks properly. And safety is always number one.
1: Right. These are like, this is a hierarchy of um, or a priority order of what is your most important focus? Right? Yeah, that's what the keys are.
2: And they added one recently, and so I'm not sure what the order is currently. But safety is always last. number one. And then there's uh efficient
1: safety courtesy, courtesy.
2: show efficiency or I, show
1: I, show and efficiency, and then uh, inclusivity inclusivity. I think, or, but I'm not it, sure what the order that is
2: that. But um, they have show in there
1: because I think it's inclusive above show. Yeah, so that you are helping someone in a wheelchair ride the ride before you worry about did everyone see us yeah you know and so stop the ride for this purpose.
2: you're supposed to be in costume that's what they wear it's not a uniform it's a costume and you're so you're not, on stage you're on stage and you're supposed to be helping them enjoy the stories and enjoy their time there and yeah it can be weird because sometimes especially when start uh, when galaxy's edge star wars land uh, first opened they were very heavy on the cast members being strictly immersed in the
1: they've lightened that up so you can ask someone he's like where's the Millennium Falcon ride and yeah. they're like, oh, I think you can connect with the smugglers over in this part of the... It's like, no, just tell, just me, tell where me where the ride is. where it is. R-
2: where it is. Uh, like, I was able to be... Um, when when everyone went on to Rise, I was like, I don't know where the exit is. And so I was like, where's the exit to Rise of Resistance? And they're like, oh yeah, it's just right here. Yeah. Uh, whereas if we had gone the first year, they would have been like, Well, Well, the uh, resistance,
1: resistance. you might find the resistance over in the forest.
2: And so like they they sometimes do dumb things that's trying to immerse you too much. Like
1: with our experience at at Evermore, where it's like a little bit heavy. It's like, I'm supposed to do a quest. Where do I do the quest? Like, you did not even tell me, like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah.
2: But um, the cast members are there to try to make sure that one, you're safe and having a good time. But two, you're able to still have that story element there. And I really loved being able to partake in that and and participate in that um, and making that magic for, for guests. And like, and I love that other cast members are able to do that too. Like when they were like, okay, sugar cubes, get out of here. (laughs) Like it's, it's really cute and it's really, and it's really fun.
1: I think. And the last thing that I I would say that it like adds overall is a more universal family experience because kids can connect with story at a younger age than they connect with thrill I think, Mm -hmm. and my daughter gets excited about guardians of the galaxy she's like that's the one where we help rocket raccoon that's like that's the one where we help rocket there's a story and she is part of a story where she helps rocket raccoon yeah and that matters more to her than the ride itself now I also think the last time she did it, she doesn't like the ride anymore because she says it makes her butt lift up. But she um, <laughs> she
2: she wasn't crying or or being upset. I think she would still ride it. Next yeah, she's side. like,
1: I don't like it. It makes my butt lift up, which is kind of the point of that ride. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but to her, like she remembered it not because it's the one that goes up and down. It's the one where you help rock it. And that makes a difference for how you identify with like, oh, I really like this ride there's a thrill element to it. Right. It is the one that goes up and down, but there's also like, Oh, I like this one. It has this story yeah. um, going on with it. And and our kids talk about them, you know, from the stories and, and also for like the, the ones where it's just a, a people leader and it's just feeding people through the dark ride, telling a story for, for 10 minutes. Like that's really entertaining for kids. And it gets them out of the sun where they would like, if it, if they were coming just for, roller coasters and drop towers like we would not be doing that with our kids
2: yeah Mm because our our children would not be able to go on a lot of those Mm -hmm. and i love being able to as a disney fanatic to be able to share this with my children and also like point things out like on the dark rides or on other rides being able to be like hey look over there do you see snow white do you see this and it it definitely helps with the connection to to them as well
0: yeah and I i mean we spent a lot of time talking about Disney it is the gold standard for this kind of immersion uh, yeah that's for, the, for
1: this type of storytelling element yeah. Yeah. in particular
0: I don't think they need to quite be so engaged with profit uh, you know turn, turning every single aspect of it into profit margins uh, mm-hmm. for themselves mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but uh, so so while they are the gold standard uh, it is a little expensive to try and go experience it
2: <laughs> Oh, yeah. which reminds me of the most expensive thing that you can do at a Disney park which is stay at the uh, oh. star cruiser and that is a very immersive thing and the, it's
1: the star wars hotel which also has a particular spot in the timeline which is not current in the star wars timeline it is between films
2: and it's and it's like uh, evermore where you, you go on quests and you uh, have to, to perform, perform a, character. a character
0: and oh it's, cool. i don't want to pay money to go roll yeah no
1: that kind of role play does not appeal no
2: yeah yeah it's 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 intense but like the other stuff it's 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 good
1: (laughs) all right well thank you andrew
0: and kesha for coming on a special episode to talk about storytelling in theme parks any any final thoughts you want to say before we wrap up
2: i love disney And I love the parks.
0: (laughs) Well, and our our listeners can uh, hear you all break down a Disney film minute by minute over at Disney Animation Minute Essentials uh, as another demonstration of your love of Disney.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows. You can go to duelinggenre.com among the other great shows is disney animation minute essentials did i get that all right yeah okay uh also please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice and please leave us a review that really helps us out we would like to thank scott talk to composed our theme music thank you again for listening we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story so long
1: It was like three weeks ago. So, like, we don't pull up a list. My
0: brain is still in a fog. I have no rhythm. Life has no meaning right now.